Suddenly, feel the ground beneath you begin to shake as you hear a deep rumbling coming from somewhere in the temple below you. To Eclipse, a Dungeons and Dragons sci-fi fantasy thriller. I'm Jeremy Fair, and I'll be your dungeon master. I'm Adam Deweese, and I will be your illithid cleric, Doctor Shepard. I'm Megan Kelleher, and I will be your human monk, Ava Elkin. I'm Rob Clark, and I will be your warforged artificier, Info Oscott. I'm Whitney Mullins, and I'll be playing Rita Nove, an ASMR bard. And I'm Patrick Collins, playing Kanan Vergest, the tiefling wild magic sorcerer. Lita, you are slowly backing your way up these steps to kind of join the rest of the party, and you'll see Kanan and Info come walking out of the room that they had entered. And now you see him hanging Rodney over the edge of this balcony above this strange device. What would you like to do? So I would walk over there and look down, be like, did you just release Tucker? Ready? Is that what you just did right now? Oh, alas, it's a wee bit of dingly danglies. It, it won't hurt anybody, and it keeps us away from the bloody bastards that like to eat the metal. We were supposed to go to the room, like, right there. You had, like, ten more feet to go. Like, it's it's right there. I got distracted, laddie. I see a button. I push it. I'm the distracted one. It's literally down the stairs near the rust monsters. You're not supposed to just dangle from the balcony like a crazy person. You're supposed to walk into the room so we can all do the stupid things together. <laughs> He's safe. He's safe. He's right here. I'm holding on to him real tight. And he's hitting the buttons and I'm lifting him up now, last. Just calm your butt. Oh, you know. And she like kicks his little tin foot and like walks towards the room. Oh, I have a weak heel, lass. Shut up. <laughs> that's Infa's one weakness. This is right heel. My Achilles heel. So original. <laughs> Can I hear all this? Uh, well, okay, I have a couple questions. Can I... <laughs> a couple questions. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple questions. Uh, did anything happen in the rusty machine room when Rodney did the dingly danglies? No, Dr. Shepard and Ava are in the other room examining their own strange mechanical device, a separate mechanical device. Okay. And you do hear Lita start yelling at someone in the other room, and then you hear a thud, and then you'll hear uh, Info releasing a string of curse words in response. But other than that, you don't hear anything in this room. You are uh, unaware of what's going on in the other room other than their bickering, which you have all grown accustomed to over the past few weeks. And you said that the... I, I hesitate to call them... Wi- are they wires? 
that go into the walls? Yeah, there's these strange small copper wires that are coming from this weird uh, mechanical device, and they are inlaid into the ground, so they are flat. So if you were to run your hand across the surface, you would barely feel them at all. Seems like whoever created this device created small trenches in the stonework specifically for these wires to lay across so that they would be non-obtrusive. If I trace them, where do they lead? As Ava begins to trace the wires, you will find that there is a wire that aligns roughly with each of these six wheels that are protruding out from the wall. You are still unsure what they do, but it does certainly seem like each of these six control wheels are somehow connected to the central device via these wires. Interesting. I think if that's all I can get from it, I would probably want to head back out and see what the ruckus is and see if I need to step in. So what are you going to do, Dr. Shepard? Definitely A, not going to be left alone uh, all by my lonesome, and B, need to try to get my eyes on as many of our crew as I can. So I'll be following Ava out. So the two of you leave this room where you were doing some of your own investigations, and you will walk upon a pretty strange scene. You will see Lita standing behind Info. She looks pretty disgruntled, at least from what you can tell in the dim lighting. You also see Info leaning over a balcony. He appears to be holding Rodney over the edge of this balcony, and you hear some sort of sound as the metal that Rodney is made of is messing with whatever metal device is below them. But other than that, you're not really sure what's going on. You just walk into the room, and you just kind of see... It almost looks like Info is just, like, bending over this thing, attempting to, like, hang down over it instead of just walking down to the lower level to examine it. But as you all come back into the central room, you will once more hear the voice of Tucker. Well, have you found what you have sought? No, not yet. We've literally only made it into the next room, and um, some of our wonderful members have leaned over a balcony and started messing with things, even though you asked us not to mess with things. So, no, we haven't actually found anything yet. Did that release you, by chance? I am still awaiting my freedom. Mm, fantastic. Well, we are still looking around. There is a really a, a lot to take in here, really. It's, it's a nice place you have. Very beautiful. Love what you've done with the decorations. It's great. And we're still hitting buttons here, so we might end up releasing you. I don't know yet. We're, we're still playing with the buttons, lad, but let us know if anything changes on your end, okay? Rodney, hurry up and hit some more fucking buttons. I don't care. Don't take her side. The dingly danglies works every time. Yeah, Ava, see, this is what I've been dealing with. Like, literally, we were summoned to go walk into the room you were in, and then they're hanging over the edge. Like, I, I don't understand. I'm investigating in an abstract way, lass. It, it's how my mind works. You're thinking outside the box. I really respect it. I really do. But like... I'm thinking outside the bloody room, not just the box. He's the box. I'm holding the bloody box. But a little... Oh, shut up. You know I didn't mean to call you a bloody box, lad. Is there a reason we can't just take the stairs? This two rust monsters downstairs. I'm with Ava there. Let's uh, let's head down and why don't we just try to walk past them? They look busy. Because I'm fucking metal, lad. They eat metal. Well, then you stay closest to the wall. I'm an all-you-can-eat buffet. I really feel like if they walked over here, that you would be in more danger. I'll go first. Yeah, you go first. You go first. All you all go first. Me and Rodney will hang back here. Steve, let go of her bloody hand. You're not a toddler. Why do you always hold her hand like that? It's weird. It's weird, lad. Steve and I have our own thing. Ugh, fine. You go with her, lad. Me and Rodney will hang back a bit. Have the 
tactical advantage if shit starts to go off. <laughs> me and my friend Steve are gonna go down the stairs and Ava's got Steve and Apricot now. It's like Pokemon. I'm like collecting all the little creatures. Do you happen to see my body laying about anywhere? My shell? Um We found your shitty closet. It's not shitty. It's just been rusted. It's just been rusted over a little bit. You mean the the shitty room behind the shitty rusted door? That one. Oh my god. That, That was a shitty room, all right. But it's his bloody prison. Why would he be offended by that? He knows it's a bloody shithole. In the most respectful way possible. What does your body look like? Uh, your shell? What does is, what is that one um, look like? How can I explain it to your type? Hmm. You see, I am not trapped here from some sort of gate or door. But without my shell, I am without form. Hmm. And without form, I... Well, I am pure chaos. Well, that is true to your Tucker name. Mm, and didn't answer the question whatsoever. Correct. Yeah, laddie, are you a flesh bag? My old shell has... denigrated with time. The... Rust creatures, they have all but made it useless. But I built another, and I need you to bring it to me so that I may once again walk free, and then I will answer any questions that you might have. Mm, You got it. And where is the bloody shell you're talking about, lad? In the center of the main chamber. There you will see my synthesization device. A machine that I used many years ago to create my shell as well as the shells of all the others. Ah, does this device happen to be a semi-circular egg-shapey, timey-wimey-looking dealy with some lights and uh, switches and bobs? Yes, that is the one. However, I don't see how you are going to free it until you have restored the power to this place. I assume that will help you make your academic investigations as well. Are you telling me there are bloody lights in this place? That we've been stumbling around in the dark like a bunch of das bastards, and there the bloody lights are just turned off? Where's the power at then? Mm, that is the question. I have been confined to this corner for quite some time. There was once power in this place. We do not work in total darkness like yourselves. We are a more advanced form of life. 
We do not limit ourselves to rambling about in the darkness. So is there like a circuit breaker box somewhere? Circuit breaker? What do you mean? I am not familiar with this terminology. Of course not, no, okay. Oh yes, truly advanced. Yeah, lad, how do we turn you on? That came out wrong. In the most respectful way possible. To restore the power, I will need to get to my command center. But I am afraid that without my shell, that is impossible. And without the power, it is impossible for you to access my shell. Um... Why don't you come to me so I may gaze upon your flesh? And perhaps we can orchestrate a more developed plan of action. Um, not gonna lie, that makes me very uncomfortable. We're just gonna keep looking around, and we'll let you know what we find. Were you all gonna go down the stairs, or were you all just kind of still standing right here, like, planning to go and do some more investigations? Yeah, you guys are all going first. Me and Rodney are gonna stay up here because we need to... Yeah, <laughs> info and all the metal bodies were hanging back. Yeah, our, our metal asses need to hang out back here and chill for a second. Yeah, I'm going to peel Steve's little hand away from mine and be like, you stay back here, buddy. He'll just walk back to me all dejected, like the, the Magicom's <laughs> hanging down. Like, <laughs> So all the fleshies are going down the stairs? That sure is a way to say that. Yeah, that is one way. <laughs> that is a thing now. All right, you bags of meat, get down the stairs. All right, so Dr. Shepard, Ava, Kanan, and Lita all begin to descend down the stairs to the right side of the temple to go and investigate the scene below a little bit more closely. You get to the bottom of the stairs, and now that you're aware of their presence, you are able to see the two rest monsters. They both seem to still be in the same place they were when you had entered just a few minutes before. They are still kind of foraging into the rust-covered rocks, and they're both more or less minding their own business. What would the four of you like to do while you were coming down the stairs? Well, it looks like we're about to creep through here and being worried that I'm a little bit squishy, I would like to cast mage armor on myself. What does your specific mage armor look like? Well, being a little bit nervous about hearing this guy's voice creeping into my head, Kanan is going to reach down into his pocket and grab a hold of his yo-yo for comfort, and a blue, shimmering energy creeps up his wrist and across his shoulders and down his whole body, leaving this slight glow around him for a moment that dissipates. What would the rest of you like to do? I'm just going to try and be quiet. Doesn't look like we're necessarily trying to attack these things. I think I'd probably be bringing up the rear, so if it looks like the other three are trying to be stealthy and sneaky, I think I'd also be just following them behind and trying my best to not make too much noise. Same. Alright, so the four of you are able to move down these steps and start heading to the lower level of the center of the temple, and when you get to the bottom, you are able to see that the far side of the room, there is another large stone statue towards the northern side of the room. This statue looks... It certainly does not look new, but it looks newer than most of the things that you've encountered so far. The architecture in this place seems much more old than the statue does. The stone chairs that are in the center of the room all look much more ancient, but at the northern side of this room, you see a giant stone statue. It's probably close to 18 feet in height, perhaps 8 or 10 feet in width, 
Dr. Shepard, you are very easily able to recognize that this statue is depicting an elithid wearing baggy clothing. It's sitting with its legs crossed and its hands are together as if in some sort of meditative pose. You are unsure what this means. You've never really seen any elithid depicted in this sort of manner, but it is certainly a very large statue of a meditating elithid. Yeah, I'll let them all know telepathically. Hey, everybody, that looks like a really big uh, mind flayer, I guess you all would call it, uh, out there on that statue there. It's wearing some baggy, is that Jenko jeans it looks like? I don't know, but it's really baggy clothes it's wearing and um, looks like it's like meditating or praying. I'm not sure what that's all about. Why don't you make a perception check for me, Dr. Shepard? I sure will. And that is going to be a 14 total. You also notice as you're looking over towards that side of the room that there appears to be some movement coming from just beside the statue. On either side of the statue are raised platforms that seem to lead to upper levels that are about the same height as the original foyer that you had come in when you had first entered the temple. To the northwest side of the room, this sort of raised shelf is collapsed a little bit in on itself, and you can see that there is a dark hole bored into the wall where it seems like creatures of some sort have eaten into the actual temple wall itself or they've just eroded with time and you as you're looking over in that direction you notice a third rust monster comes creeping out of this hole the hole in the wall though not massive does appear to be somewhat sizable maybe two or three feet and it's certainly large enough for an entire one of these rust monsters to come and go through and you see a third one come crawling out of this hole and it's looking around and you see its long antennas kind of flickering as it's examining something in the surrounding and then it too will begin to make its way towards the center of the room where the other two rust monsters are feasting. It looks like this might be leading to some sort of den. Third one joined the party. Now there's uh, three rust monsters. One came out of a spooky looking hole in that back corner. So that's probably like where they're living, sleeping, hibernating, dwelling, one of the above. It just seems like there's a fair amount of them, and we all know I'm fine to punch them all, but maybe we should see what it takes to let them leave us alone. Yeah, what would you all like to do? Are you are you trying to be stealthy and actively avoid these things? They are certainly in the center of the room where all of the chairs and the kind of carpet that Lita was trying to investigate earlier. Do you want to simply avoid them, or are you not really too concerned with them being there? I guess what I was hoping to do was see if I could get them to ignore me enough so I could get eyes on this control panel and um, maybe help Rodney with another set of eyes that's looking at it right side up. Sure. Are you going to walk over to it so you can examine it closely? Right now you're about 40 feet away and in darkness. Yeah, I will uh, make my way over. If you are going to attempt to do so stealthily, go ahead and make a stealth check for me. And I rolled a 17, so 23. Whoa. With a 23, you are very easily able to avoid being noticed by these three rust monsters that are quite distracted by whatever it is that they're eating currently. Ava is able to make her way across the room over to this mechanical device. And as you get closer, you are noticing that it seems almost like the antithesis of the other device that you were previously examining. You do indeed see a large glass hemispherical object in the center of this device, and 
Though the glass is covered with dust and though it's dark in here, the temporary dark vision that you've been granted by Dr. Shepard enables you to see that beneath this glass dome is some sort of large metal sphere. The sphere inside of this glass dome appears to look exactly like the sort of shape and size of the groove of the device that you were examining in the other room with the wheel-like control panels that were affixed to the wall. Just by looking at this, you can assume that whatever is fitting into this slot would also fit into the rounded slot in the other device, though you are unsure if it requires a separate device that's similar in shape or if this is indeed the only device in it and it can be moved from one place to another. I will say the sphere is very large. It looks like it would be quite heavy and it'd be difficult to carry um, on your own. It also seems like it might be difficult to get this spherical device out of this machine because this glass dome is connected to whatever this mechanical device is on all sides. You see these very large metal bolts that seem to be holding it in place. Behind the sphere is another series of copper pipes and tubes. You see more of those complex wires. You also see a lot more of those kind of glass bulbs, as well as the device that has a number of different gauges and devices that seem to measure bits of information that you do not quite understand. But just by examining it, it does seem like this sphere would fit in the other device. You know how sometimes you're allowed to break glass in case of emergency? I'm wondering whether this is an emergency. But I think I'll hold off for now. I will try and sneak back to the other two and let them know what I saw, which is a machine that is incredibly fascinating to me, but I couldn't quite make out. There is a sphere, and the doctor knows I did say I wanted to find a sphere, but it's under a glass bowl of some kind, and I'm not sure if it's that sphere or a different sphere. A lot to consider here. I would caution against uh, letting Rodney do all of it upside down. I mean, did it look like about the same size sphere as the one that we're looking for? It would definitely fit. Yeah, I'm not sure I could lift it or get it out. It seems like maybe if we press the right buttons, the glass sphere might come off, I thought, maybe? Mm. Yeah, that sounds like maybe uh, Info may be the right bot for the job to investigate the, uh, the control panel. I wonder if we can distract the rust monsters long enough that they wouldn't give them any trouble. Do they even seem like they're interested in us? I mean... The other ones were fairly interested in us, but, I mean, I ran down the stairs earlier and they really didn't do anything, so I I don't know if these are different. As Ava comes back and begins to explain to you all what she has discovered while examining this device, once more, Tucker will begin to speak to you. Have you been able to locate my shell? Not to be rude, but you're like really impatient. Like, it's been, like, four minutes. This place is pretty big. We're doing our best. Bloody, you haven't even described the shell. As far as we know, it could be a pistachio shell or a mint candy shell. We don't know what the hell a shell looks like. You gotta give us some description, lad. Patience. I have been waiting here for centuries. Yeah, so a couple more minutes is not going to hurt you. You will be fine, I promise. Mm, One hour, maybe. My shell. The last time I've seen it was so long ago. But 
there is a device. A device where it is being held. Protected from time. Protected from wear and tear. And from these creatures that have infested my factory. This place is my home, not my prison. You speak of patience and I have waited here patiently long enough. You want answers. I just want my body. Is that so much to ask? I have promised you information and I have promised you safe passage. And all I require in return is a little help. And we are trying, but you are putting time restraints on your help, and we have not had time to figure out where this thing is. So please, have patience. I know this is not your prison. We never said it was. We are trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said it was a prison after we talked about a shitty closet. Well, I mean... But it's actually a really nice closet. It's just a little dusty, but you couldn't have washed it. You don't have any bloody hands. Uh, but you do have a doohickey here at the thing that I was hitting the buttons on when I was doing the dingly dangly, and that, uh, has a thing under some glass. Could that, that, could that be your, uh, thing you're looking for there? Yeah, Tucker, if you were to describe your shell as a three-dimensional shape, uh, what would it most resemble? My shell is a spherical device made of heavy bronze and iron. Perhaps... A device more sophisticated than any you've seen before, has it? Well, it is evolution itself. You see, when I was created, I was given the will and the desire to improve myself and to improve my army and to improve the soldiers for the core. But now as you tell me the core is no more, and I only wish to leave this place with my shell and with my knowledge that I have been granted so long ago. Though it be impossible To restore power to this place without my aid. Perhaps it is possible to provide enough to release my shell for a moment long enough for you to bring it to me. Then I can help you answer any questions you may have. I can provide for you more than your academic investigations could ever reveal. So what do you say? Does our deal stand? Uh, Okay, I mean... I don't see what we have to lose. I want to see what it does. There is a generator attached to the device. Perhaps we can create enough power to activate it if only for a moment, only long enough to release the locks that I had so expertly designed. And uh, how do you 
think we would go about doing that? In the center of the temple, you will see a collection of thrones. This is where my creators would plan and deliberate. But it has been unused for some time. Behind those chairs, you will see a device in which my shell will be encased and attached is a machine that keeps it locked in place. Do you have with you some source of power, some source of energy that you could lend for just a few moments? I think I know exactly what he's asking for. Uh, perhaps a crystal coil? Crystal? Rudimentary, but perhaps good enough. Tell me more of your crystal coils. Oh, they're a wee little crystalline battery. They used to store magical energy, and we use them to power various devices. Uh, I got a wee little one right here. Can pop it into the slots. If you got a a little, little intake slot or something on there, we could pop it in and make it happen. Without my... Without being able to examine this crystal coil device of yours, I am uncertain of its compatibility. But you seem not unwise in the way of machines and power, perhaps you can examine for me. Tell me, what has become of my machine? Is it still in working condition, or have those vermin destroyed that too? Uh, It looks pretty intact from what I've seen. The buttons push real nice. Perhaps your coil is what we need. I am uncertain how we are able to transfer your crystal energy to my device. It was not created to run off such antiquated sources of power. Did you bring a dongle? An adapter. Lassie, I have a dongle, but I'm not plugging it into some weird machine I found in a temple. Info, as you're looking at this machine from up above, You do see the mechanical device to the side that has the different gauges and the different readers on it that are designed to measure some sort of information that you're not certain of. And you do see that there is a very large cable that is linked from that box into the wall behind it. And on top of that box, there does appear to be these two large glass bulbs attached to it. Though you're not sure how they work exactly, you are able to figure that that box itself certainly is connected to power one way or another. You are not really sure how it works, but you do feel like maybe that is what you want to focus on if you're going to figure out a way to restore power to this device. You find yourself in the midst of an endless frozen field 
This would be difficult terrain for all but the most elite warriors, but you're no stranger to this punishing climate. You stand alone with nothing but your trusted silver blades and your most resplendent custom-made armor. This is it, the final encounter in a quest for gold that's brought you all over the world. You've been training your whole life for this, and you're ready. If this sounds exciting, have we got great news for you about competitive figure skating. Join us at the Ice Tea Podcast, the podcast where we spill the tea on figure skating. Whether you're a diehard fan or you just saw Yuri on ice once and you thought it looked kind of cool, we're here to recap major events, interview your favorite skaters, break down the drama, and do the incredibly important sports journalism of rating the quality of plushies thrown out onto the ice. We may not be technical specialists, but we are comedians with a lot to say. Check us out at bit.ly slash podcast or by searching the Ice Tea Podcast wherever you get your pods. Do you suffer from chronic storytelling dysfunction? Do you find you're overrun with trite tropes and cliche character patterns? Well, you're not alone. In my old age, I was tired of boring stories, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, I feel young again. If you suffer from a lack of creative world building or one-dimensional character development, Dice Chronicles may be just what you need. My characters always felt flat and unable to perform, but with Dice Chronicles, I'm not afraid of being my true self. Before I started listening to Dice Chronicles, I felt so alone in my hunger. But now I'm a first-rate villain. Dice Chronicles gave me a purpose, but most importantly, it gave me a terrible French accent. Hi, I'm Yarn, and before Dice Chronicles, I used to be terrified of magic. But now, after just a few episodes, I've got magic pouring out of my eyeballs. I used to suffer from crippling anxiety, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, now I only suffer from anxiety from going on an adventure with my friends. Dice Chronicles is not responsible for rolling natural ones, TPKs, or the general feeling that our characters are better than yours. Ask your DM today if Dice Chronicles is right for you. Find us at podbean.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is really hard for info to tell based on the one that you're not really sure how this technology works and two from the distance and the darkness, but you do recognize that that is somehow related to the power source. I'm just going to reach out to my four buddies here and just uh, telepathically ask each individually, so are we really helping this guy or this this thing or are we just playing along right now? Because right now I'm not 100% sure either way. And I believe they can answer me back telepathically. But again, it's only a one-on-one conversation. I'm just going to whisper yell. I'm not going to answer him back telepathically because I hate when he talks into my brain. Lottie, (laughs) don't talk into my brain all the time. Yeah, I think we should do it. So let's just do it. Ava's going to reply, I do not trust Tucker. I I have no intention of helping him. I just really want to see what the sphere does. Uh, Lita will respond, Oh, I have absolutely no intention of helping him whatsoever. I just wanted to explore ourselves. Kanan will respond to you, Yeah, I don't know about this place, and that guy does not seem awesome. So I'm doubting this whole mission at this point. I'll broadcast back out to everybody individually. Okay, so it's too strong for no, one hesitant for no, and then one... Perhaps, uh, yes, uh, that you all heard come from Info, who used his mouth to speak. Yeah, I used my bloody mouth because I'm not a fucking psycho or telepath or psychopath or whatever you call yourself. 
how, how are them uh them uh, rust monsters doing down there jamie still just gnawing away at whatever's under that carpet yeah from where you're all standing you can certainly see the ones that you had first seen when you had entered the temple the third one that Dr. Shepard had seen crawl out of what you can assume is their den or a lair or something like that, or maybe just a passage they travel through. That one is currently hidden from view behind the pile of rubble in the center of the room. But, you know, you're fairly certain it's there. You haven't seen it retreat back into the den where it had first come from. But they still are all just kind of there eating. They're, they're much more focused on eating, you know, this rusted iron than they are in your presence, despite the fact that you've all been talking and gradually making more and more noise. <laughs> However, I would like you to make a investigation check, Dr. Shepard. Okay, I was going to say my modifier's not bad with a plus three. However, rolled a two, still going to end up bad with a total of five. Based on what you can tell, they're just doing the same thing that they've been doing since you got here. I don't like that. If Info gently comes down here and sees what he can do, I can run interference with these rust monsters, try and distract them with violence, and see if that gives him enough time to do electrical work. (laughs) If Info wants to come down here, I can inspire him, so maybe he would not completely fail. What does that mean? Metal and rust monsters, and we don't want you to get hurt, is what that means. (laughs) Extra cautious. No, it just means that she's good at bolstering people's spirits. Yeah. Helping them overcome their fears. Sure. Giving pep talks. Info, did that creature really do a number on you? Why are you so afraid of it? Lad, let me spell it out for you in real tiny words. The bloody bastards eat a metal. I am fucking metal. Of course, I'm afraid of them. <laughs> All right, sorry. All right, that's three fuckings. Now we have an explicit rating. <laughs> We earned it. Like those poor children. (laughs) Oh, I do have an infusion I can use. I'm going to enhance my own defense by touching myself. This is not a kid-friendly show anymore. Is there a way you could do that in the shitty closet? Does it have to be in front of everybody? (laughs) I knew that was going to (laughs) happen. Well, we already got the explicit, so (laughs) fuck it tonight. (laughs) I've infused my scale mail with enhanced defense, so I gained an armor class. So I'm in 18 armor class now. What are you doing that gives you the extra defense? Like, what does it look like? Or what is Info doing when he enhances himself in this way? <sighs> we already have the explicit rating. No. 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 Um, <laughs> no. no. Info will just uh, pat his head and start rubbing his tummy where his armor is. And as the friction builds up, you see it sort of crackle and like a little additional shine appears over the armor. So now he's got his minorly enhanced defense there. And how many infusions is Info able to do? I am at all of my infusions between my homunculus and my enhanced defense. I can only do two at this moment. So Info activates this infusion. You're able to enhance your armor temporarily. Now that you feel like your defenses are all the more bolstered, How would you like to approach this situation? Before you come down here, I am going to inspire you, whether you like it or not. (laughs) That's art. (laughs) (laughs) Lita will look up at you, and she will say, (laughs) 
when you're in a room full of monsters that eat metal, you need to stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> and you will receive a 1d6 inspiration die. <laughs> so you can add that to any of your ability checks, saving throws, or attack rolls. So hopefully your ability check when you come down here. Are the rest of you going to do anything while Info is doing this? Are you going to attempt to do something that will perhaps distract the rust monsters? Or Info, are you fine with just your enhanced armor? I know he's doing this. I was just curious what the rest of you were doing during this time while Lita is singing to him, whether he likes it or not. Ava would definitely like physically position herself between Info slash the machines and the rust monsters. I'm torn because there's part of me that wants to try try and distract them with taking a piece of metal and like chucking it as far away as possible but they seem to be so into this carpet situation that they have right now that I almost don't want to mess with a good thing. Info's feeling uh, pretty confident here uh, with our touching ourselves to enhance our defense and such and being inspired by Lita's lovely serenade on the stairs. Romeo and Juliet style that was weird but we're just gonna shrug that part off and then I'm gonna look over at Rodney and go Rod you stay up here on the balcony if any of those bastards come around give me a hiss would ya and truck his little metal butt over to the spot where I was doing the dangly with him and then I will make my way down Steve Lod I want you to be ready at the bottom of the stairs if any of these things start to get near me you run to the far corner and do plan Sulu Understood. Plan Sulu, lad. And I go down the bottom of the stairs, too. And I'm gonna stealth my way over to the machine. After you all make the necessary preparations to do your best to protect Info from these rust monsters, Info begins to make his way over towards the machine. Info, please make a stealth check. Yep, that went real bad. Yeah, I rolled a six at disadvantage. So with a six, you try to be stealthy, but at the end of the day, your legs are made of metal and you're just stomping down some stone stairs. And it's pretty loud as you are moving down these steps and you get to the bottom and you start moving your way over towards the mechanical device. And as you're doing so, Ava, you notice that both of the two rust monsters that are closest to the group quickly look up. And the moment that he comes within 30 feet of them, they're antennas like magnetic turn in that direction and are pointing directly at him and they both are looking up and they will start grinding their mandibles together making that same obnoxious noise that the ones outside were making previously and they both seem very responsive to his presence the moment that he comes kind of within that 30 foot range how would you like to respond wait is Ava near me am I like right next to her I definitely want to start stepping towards the rust monsters and trying to corral them away. Info's gonna hand you his hand axe that he magically tinkered and recorded the sound of them hissing before. Okay, yeah, you slip your hand axe to me, probably not very stealthily, all things considered, but uh, I do have it now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and, like, brandish it at them, like, ooh. Like a baby with keys, um, and see if I can distract them. <laughs> Look over here. Are you activating the sound on it that he has recorded? Yes. Oh, oh! Look over here. Look at this. Plus, they're not cats. They both seem to be distracted by this, a little bit confused, and. They both look at you and their antennas, which were pointing directly at him, now are pointing directly at you. And they will actually begin to 
rush towards you uh, rather quickly, and we're going to roll initiative. Ava will go first, followed by Kanan. Following Kanan will be Info, then Lita, and last but certainly not least, Dr. Shepard. I have a walking speed of 65 feet, and so I think I'm just going to take all of my movement. It'll get me to the other side of this circle of thrones. So I'm just going to take this, like, speaker that's playing lo-fi rust monster beats to relax and study to and hold it up over my head and just sprint. So I'm just going to run all the way to the, I guess, the meditating statue of the Illithid is about as far away as I can get and see if I can get them to follow me. All right. Even in the darkness and with the bits of rubble and stone laying across the ground, at the end of the day, you are a trained monk. With a lot of agility, you're able to sprint across this room and make it to the other side. It does seem that the rust monsters are still distracted by you. Their antennae are turned in your direction and their bodies will follow as they look over towards where you are running. You do notice as you come running directly around the other side, there is a third rust monster that is waiting right there and it's going to attempt to swipe at you as the source of this noise that it can hear but cannot see as it was on the other side of the rock was rapidly approaching it. So it's going to try to swipe at you as you run by. The rust monster got a 13 on that attack. That is not going to hit me too fast. You are moving so quickly that you are able to just dodge the thing. It swings one of its frontal claws at you and you're able to very easily just leap right over it and continue towards the opposite side of the room. While Ava is sprinting across the room, we go to Kanan. Does it look like these two back rust monsters are about within five feet of one another? Yes, I would say about five feet of one another. They were huddled pretty close together while they were chewing into the stone here. I mean, are we fighting these things or are we just going to try to distract them? Well, it seems like they're definitely attacking Ava now. So I think it's past the point of conversation. All right. Well, I guess we're doing this. He's going to hold his hand up right by his right ear and a dagger made of ice will appear because it's a single target and then explodes i will twin spell on ice knife so kanan will be standing at the top of the stairs here kind of overlooking the scene with the two rust monsters in the back he will raise his hand up to his ear and two ice daggers appear in his hand and he will launch them and try and hit both of these rust monsters. Nice, nice, baby. And I'm going to do something a little crazy here, and I'm going to use that ability that I have, the Tides of Chaos, to give myself advantage on the first attack. And I'm going to bump it up to second level. Okay. I rolled a 21 and an 8. So you cast Ice Knife, and the first spell, one of them misses, the other one connects with its target, and you manage to deal four piercing damage with that first attack. However, Ice Knife explodes into a couple of shards that can deal damage in an area effect around the target. So both of the Rust Monsters are going to have to make a dexterity saving throw, where they're going to take even more damage. One of the Rust Monsters gets an 8, and the other one gets a 13. One of them does save. So it seems like the one that you had hit also fails the save. The one that you had missed is a little bit too far on the other side of one of these really big stone thrones. And so the shards actually just shatter against the side of the throne and it remains unscathed. However, 
the one that had taken the brunt of your attack not only takes the initial four damage, but it takes an additional six damage for a total of ten from this ice knife. It is still kicking. However, you have hit it for a drastic amount of damage. Both of them, which originally were distracted by Ava, are now very aware of your presence, Kanan. But more than anything, they're just kind of looking around in a panic. Their antennas are no longer just focused on one person. In fact, they're moving around frantically. It seems like they are not sure what to do in this situation. We will move on to Info. Info, you are over here by this machine. The other members of your crew are attempting to distract and fight these rust monsters while you are trying to figure out this machine. What would you like to do? I would like to see if I can actually pop out my crystal coil from my spell cannon pistol and start looking over this machine and try and figure out how I can get it in there before these monsters smell me. Alright, would you rather make a alien technology check or an inside check? The alien technology. <laughs> I got that 19. So with a 19, you are able to look at this thing and you do feel like these glass bolts are used to capture electricity and it essentially contains the energy and then it can fluctuate in and out of the system. It's just sort of a way to hold the energy in there rather than a power source. But you do think that you could probably overload the system by inserting one of your crystal coils into this device. You certainly think that it would provide a short, powerful burst of energy to it, though you are not certain what it would do to the machine, nor what it would do to your crystal. You also are not certain how you're going to attach your crystal to here to make it applicable because it's just simply not designed to be compatible. However, you do feel like if you can figure out a way to transfer the energy from the crystal to this part of the machine, it will provide it with a little bit of energy, albeit probably too much energy. It might end up blowing both your crystal and the machine, but it will certainly give it a quick jolt of energy that you are looking for if you can figure out a way. Are the glass things, do they have like a way that they open or anything? It seems like you can screw them on and off. They would come off quite easily. It's just, though they are similar in size to the base of the crystal, they usually use it to attach to your Magitech devices. And you're not really sure if it's going to be like a direct conversion. It's kind of like bringing a US plug to Europe. I mean, you could get energy to it, but you're going to need some sort of way to convert it so that it just fits in the slot. Haggis, this thing doesn't fit. I'll have to figure it out. And then I'm going to pull my crossbow out and shoot at the one that got hit by the ice ice baby attack. Okay. There we go. 16. So 16 will definitely hit and you're able to damage one of the rust monsters with your crossbow. Which one are you targeting? The one that was hit with the ice attack. I'm just going to, as I turn around to yell at everybody, I'm just getting my crossbow and leveled down on the one. I'm just going to fire it off. And as a bonus action, could I just yell for Rodney to roll down the stairs? Yep, you can go ahead and call for Rodney, who you hear him slowly rolling down the stairs. Uh, after Info's turn, we go to Lita. It seems like Rodney's going to take at least uh, a little bit longer to get over to where you're at. Lita, what would you like to do? Lita's going to move down the staircase about 30 feet, and she will try to fairy fire these guys. So they have to make a dexterity saving throw. 16 and a 17. Right, well, they both passed, so... So Lita attempts to cast Fairy Fire. However, it is really hard to 
aim and target these creatures because one they're moving sporadically but also they're just they're they're smaller than these stone thrones are so they from where you're standing it seems like most of their body is covered uh most most of their body is obscured by these stone thrones so it's just really hard for you to target them after your turn, we are going to move on to Dr. Shepard. Dr. Shepard, what are you going to do? I'm going to run down the stairs just enough to be able to see this rust monster from behind the throne that's kind of in my way. And as soon as I can get eyes on it, I'm going to put my hands to my temple and I'm going to actually use an innate mind flare ability that is innate to all of us. And I'm going to try to cast Levitate on the closest one that's getting a little bit too close to uh, info so that one will need to make a constitution 13 saving throw two a two is not gonna do it so the one that's closest to info is going to all of a sudden just raise up off the ground about 20 feet high and just kind of be levitating in place so if it's trying to bite at anybody it's completely useless at the moment and that's my action, so I'm just going to go down the stairs enough to be able to see that and then shoot it to the sky and then keep concentrating on that. All right, so you are levitating this closest rust monster into the air, buying a little bit more time for info as he figures out a way to convert the energy from his crystal coil to be able to activate this machine and free that sphere from the chamber. We will then move on to Ava. Ava, what are you doing? You are still at the opposite side of the room playing that chattering noise from Info's axe where he has managed to record it and the one that tried to attack you is certainly focused on you. You can see it staring at you and moving its antennas around viciously. What would you like to do? I'm going to stay where I am and hope they keep coming to me, holding my axe aloft like John Cusack, just like blasting some nice tunes. And uh, with my other hand, I'm going to pull out a dart and chuck it at this monster. Ooh, a 25 to hit. 25 hit? Seven piercing damage. All right, you throw this dart at it with impressive force, and you hit it right in the side, dealing seven damage to it. It doesn't seem to like the pain at all, but it is definitely focusing its attention on that dart, and you see it immediately crawl over it, attempt to start devouring that uh, piece of metal you've tossed its direction. After you throw the dart, the rust monster is going to quickly start chewing on it and then you'll see the way that its mouth breaks the metal down instantly like it puts its mouth on it and you just see it kind of turn into this weird powdery substance and it starts to inhale the rust it just like completely broke this metal down in seconds and now it turns and the one closest to you Ava is going to rush across the ground running at you it's going to attempt to make an attack with one of its frontal claws for a natural 20 Yeah, that'll hit. (laughs) For 14 points of damage as it slashes right at your shin with one of its large clawed legs. The other two rust monsters on the other side, one of them is going to actually continue to move towards the noise. It gets about halfway to Ava. The other rust monster, however, is unable to move because it is still being levitated in midair by Dr. Shepard. So it is uselessly just moving its legs around, screaming and screeching and making these loud noises as it is panicking. We then move to Kanan. So seeing that this one that's closest to us is kind of under wraps for the time being, Kanan will move down to get a better vantage on the two that are approaching Ava, and he is going to launch a firebolt at the one that's at the back end there. All right, go ahead and roll for attack. 
and I rolled an 11. An 11 is not quite going to make it. You shoot your firebolt, and it just goes flying right over this thing's head. After Kanan, we go to Info. Info, you are standing here in front of this device. What would you like to do? I want to go ahead and just unscrew one of those glass bulbs, and then I want to try and tinker with the plug to see if I can adapt it to fit the crystal coil. Okay, while you're tinkering. Whoa. It's a 17. So with the 17, you know that you have all sorts of different devices on you just in case you need to quickly hack something or quickly make a few adjustments to one of your little mechanical buddies that you like to bring around with you everywhere. And you actually have a couple different wires and different devices that let you connect and you know transfer energy and create new things whenever you need to. And you are able to actually find a way to link the bottom of the crystal to one of these cables and then connect the other end to the top of this device where the bulb was previously located. When you do so, there is suddenly a large bright light that begins to emit from the crystal and you actually hear a high frequency noise as it's like and the crystal itself will actually burst and when it bursts you will absolutely see lights flicker on the machine and you hear this loud engine like roar to life for just a second and as soon as that happens you hear a and it seems like whatever magnetic seal was holding the sphere down has been released. And though you have destroyed your crystal coil, that one burst of energy was enough to release whatever lock it had on the system. Oh, Haggis. Takara, you owe me a coil. This is Jeremy, your DM. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Eclipse. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did when we were recording it. We had a lot of fun. It's really, really hard to ever stop no matter how late it gets. The next episode of Eclipse will release in two weeks, so make sure that you subscribe to Eclipse so you never miss any of our episodes. And if you've enjoyed Eclipse, please tell your friends about us. Please go wherever you like to get your podcasts and leave us a review. Those things are super helpful, especially for a brand new podcast. You can keep up to date with all of the Eclipse content by following us on Twitter. That's at EclipsePod. We are super, super active on Twitter. And you can also go to TheEclipsePod.com where you can learn about our show and our crew and the voice actors that are playing the characters on Eclipse. Eclipse is part of the Majestic Goose Podcast Network, so you'll definitely want to go and check that out as well. We are home to over a dozen amazing podcasts and streams, everything from actual plays to talk shows. We even do a weekly live nerdy craft stream on Twitch, so we really do all of it here at the Majestic Goose Network. We release new content six days a week with shows like Doom Clock, One Shot Onslaught, Halfway to Heroes, Dice Talk, Roll for Weird, and many, many more. So go to MajesticGoose.com and check out all of that awesome stuff that we're doing. Check out our streaming schedule and come say hi to us. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time on Eclipse.